Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our reluctant historian. Dakota Coolboy Lawson. What? I'm just trying something out. That's my new nickname. Got it. Can we call me Coolboy? No. <laughs> On this podcast, <laughs> I'll tell him a story from history and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. Hardly even a smile from that one. <laughs> so if you love history... Or you absolutely hate it. Sorry, I was just thinking about how you didn't laugh at my cool boy joke. <laughs> this podcast is for you. <sighs> On today's Shorty Summer episode, Dakota, we are going to be talking about the California Gold Rush. Ooh, I love gold. I love gold. Are you, you a know, leprechaun? Gold, gold, gold member. It's going for Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dutch. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I feel like today is going to go off the rails, everyone. Yeah, get ready. Here we go. Yeah, so sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of the California Gold Rush. like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in the recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So Dakota, you're leading us today in our new news. Yes, I am. So, I got two short of sort. I've got two short of short of short ones. I've got two short of short ones. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So, uh, the first one is just a quick one. That This was the one I was going to use in case I didn't find one, because I literally found one like half an hour ago. Okay. Uh, which was, uh, a, uh, you might have heard of this, because actually on 92.9, the bull, they talked about it, which was a copy of Super Mario 64 sold for $1.5 million. I did not hear that. Yeah. So Wait, a copy of Super Mario 64? So, like so the game a, system? A, a, like no, Nintendo 64? A, a, a game... A video game. Just one single game. Why did it sell for so much? It was in pristine condition. I'm assuming never opened. Just perfect in every way. Shoot. And this has got me to thinking, um, how does one amass that much money that they're just like, yeah, 1.5 mil. Here you go. Well, I'm just thinking, man, I would have had 1.5 mil because when I was in 1996, I believe, maybe 97, my parents bought us an N64. Really? Yeah. And uh, and we, like, didn't play the games. I'm pretty sure, like, some of them were in their boxes still. Really? And now I'm like, well, fuck. Yeah. I could have had $1.5 no, million. Well, well, that, that's what I'm talking about. We were, we were fucking stupid kids because... We were playing the games that we well, should have been playing. Well, I'm just thinking, like, um, my Pokemon collection of uh, cards 
that I had that I, I, I threw away when I was a kid because I was like, I want to be cool. People uh, you will make fun of me for having these. And now Pokemon cards are cool. Back in my day, that was a thing to be bullied for. So, so what I'm hearing is that if we ever become a parent, any of the toys that we buy the children, yeah. we don't sell them ever. We just keep mm-hmm. them in a box. Yep. And in like 30 years, when they're 30, we give them to them and be like, some of these might be worth millions of dollars. We don't know. <laughs> that I, I like your takeaway from that. My actual takeaway was that I'm resentful today, to today's youth. Oh. Because... <laughs> Okay. Back in my day, I was bullied for that shit. Got it. And now you're like, oh, oh, like, oh, Pokemon's cool. Well, I liked Pokemon before it was cool. Cool. So, wild. Anyways, my actual story was this kind of heartwarming. So, um, there was a kid that was uh, snatched 24 years ago. Snatched. And sold into, like, human trafficking. Oh, dear. His father in China just reunited with his son. 24 oh, years later. Wow. This this dude is wild. He went... Basically, he went all Liam Neeson in a way after this happened. He, like... for He spent, like, 24 years searching for his son. Holy. And he drove his motorbike, like, 500,000 kilometers or something like that in total. Just, like, searching, going off of, like, clues and, like, trying to... Little hints of where he might be and stuff like that. And he finally found him. And he didn't go into exactly how he found him, but I just thought it was super heartwarming. And his like, I think his mom said something like, "Like my baby, you're home." And uh, I don't know. It was just really sweet and heartwarming that he like this Jenny's man is basically Liam Neeson. I like how we definitely have very different views of the world because I'm like, man, they're gonna have a lot of fucking trauma to deal with. Oh, for sure. Actually, I had that thought too because I um. <laughs> the the father was like, and now everything is good and everything is ha- happy and essentially nothing can go wrong. And I'm like, oh wait, yeah, there's going to be years. a lot of shit that you know they're not the same two year old that you knew. <laughs> yeah, that got snatched. Yeah, so a lot ahead of, of them, but I think it was just like I was expecting to come to the, this with like a super messed up story and stuff like that. And, eh, my first one's kind of heartwarming. There they you go. We're reunited with their son. It's exciting for you, baby. Yes. Wait, why is that exciting for you? JK, take that back. No, it's exciting for me because I'm happy. Yeah. Okay. It's also exciting that you came up with a story. <laughs> and you didn't... You, you didn't think I was gonna, did you? Well, I wasn't gonna nag you about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Golden Nugget. What's your Golden Nugget? Well, before we get into Golden Nugget, I have a little bit of a lump of coal. Oh. Which is... I don't feel like cool boy is going to catch on <laughs> because you, you're not like, you didn't like pick up on it, you know? And since, since I said that, you haven't been like, hey, cool boy, what's your golden nugget? You know? So why would I call you cool boy? Because I'm a cool boy. Anyways, my golden nugget. <laughs> so sad. We, uh, we watched, uh, Black Widow the mm-hmm. other night. Yes. Uh, we rented it uh, on, uh, Disney Plus for $39. Holy frick. I know. <laughs> that seems like more than what we would pay at a movie theater. No, with, with, because we went to Fast and Furious 9 recently, and total, we spent a little bit more than that. Because yeah, but of, we bought popcorn. I know. So we could smuggle popcorn in. That's true. But there was also the nice factor that we, we watched the movie, and then we could just go upstairs and go to bed. <laughs> That's true. I don't like those seats that we sat in at the movie no. theater. I thought Which they surprises were me. I, thought, I know. I thought they were really comfy. They but... hurt my neck. Well, shoot. So you found them worse than the ones at the downtown one? No, I like the downtown one. You, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. 
You like you like the downtown ones, the seats. Yes. Ugh, but I don't like that theater. Uh, but mm. I really like the ones in Brighton. Really? I found them comparable to the one. We went to the one on Center, um, at Center Mall. Which means nothing to our international listeners. Uh, that's a good point, too. Um, good point. But, uh, I found them comparable. I found them very similar. Maybe I was just like sore. Maybe. Or I don't know. I the, don't know. But it's super close to us, so I, you're just gonna have to deal with it, I guess. I guess. <laughs> we don't Maybe go to I'll that bring many like a pillow with me. There to, you like, go. put behind my neck. Yeah. And you can smuggle candy in the pillowcase. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Okay, so Black Widow was good. Uh, I I, I watched it a TikTok about it, and yeah. it said that it deals with um, some really interesting themes. So human trafficking, yeah. the exploitation of girls, and mm-hmm. a woman's rights a woman's right to choose. And I was like, oh, wow. it does. Good job, guys. Yeah. It was like when you go deep into it, I was totally. like, fuck yeah, yeah, Black no, Widow. They, they did good. It wasn't. Um, I think it was about what I expected, but I. I yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, girl power. Excited for what's next. What about you? What is your golden nugget? Yeah, so we went camping with your sister and her partner last weekend, this weekend. Um, so despite it being plus a bajillion outside, like we went to Good Spirit Lake, which apparently is hot. Which means nothing to our international listeners. Fuck you. <laughs> they can look that up. Yeah, okay. Well, they can look up Central Mall too. Central Mall, Saskatoon. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> apparently Good Spirit Lake is actually just like really hot at the best of times. Mm. And then in a heat wave, it's suffocatingly hot. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. I thought it was a really good time if we could take out the, you're <laughs> blinking at right, me right now. And I'm like, are you having flashbacks to the, uh, 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 it was so hot. <laughs> to the I almost, heat wave. I almost died. <laughs> yeah. Poor Dakota doesn't sweat. So he has a hard time in the heat. He's like a child. Yeah. He can't regulate his temperature. Yeah. Anyways, I had a lot of fun. It was really good to hang out with your sister mm. and Ray and, uh, just, you know, get to know one another. Yeah. Just like spend some time together. Yeah. Like I, I really, I, a lot of the camping aspect I didn't like, you know, I was like, oh, I just want to relax, but you guys kept making me fucking do work. And, uh, uh, but I really enjoyed actually visiting with them and, you know, seeing people since we're, you know, coming out of this pandemic and finally can, finally can see one another. Yeah. It was just nice to actually be able to see them and talk and, just you know miss that human interaction you yeah know? yeah i was really excited about our air mattress that oh, was like awesome yeah. it's one of those ones that you just turn it on and it blows up itself it was a queen yeah and dakota you said you had a great sleep i was i mean it wasn't one of the best sleeps of my life i think i'm just gonna like <laughs> sleep on an air, sleep mattress, on an air mattress like i'll bring it down to the basement and just sleep on that okay yeah all right well let's get into the california gold rush Okay. Let's yeah. See. So I think we mentioned it um, for the first time in either episode one or two. I can't remember because we were talking about our golden nugget. Um, oh, is this this is where that comes from? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so the golden nugget segment is an allusion to this time period, mm-hmm. and it is time to go over it. It's also a perfect episode for Shorty Summers. So hey, I'm going to read this. L- <laughs> it's your birthday. Gonna party like it's your birthday. I'm going to read this line as I typed it out. I accidentally made a mistake. And then I'll read it how it's supposed to be said. So okay. <laughs> I was just reading through this and I was like, whoa. All right. <clears throat> the California gold rush was spanked by the discovery of gold nuggets. I don't know. They were spanked. Oh, they just. <laughs> I don't know why this, I think that's this, so funny. This gold rush has been a bad boy. We need to spank it. Yep. 
Yeah. I meant sparked when I typed it, but spanked is what came out and I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay. Anyways, say it again. Uh, yeah. The California gold rush was sparked by the discovery of gold nuggets in the Sacramento Valley in early 1848 and was arguably one of the most significant events to shape American history during the first half of the 19th century. So for our listeners who listened to the Donner Party episode, the gold rush is happening around the same time as the Donner Party. As news spread of the discovery, thousands of prospective gold miners traveled by sea or overland in San Francisco and the surrounding area. By the end of 1849, the non-native population of the California Territory was close to 100,000, compared to the pre-1848 figure of less than 1,000 people. A total of $2 billion worth of precious metal was extracted from the area during the gold rush, which peaked in 1852. So what I just want to talk about when I say non-native, I'm not meaning indigenous people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, people who were just hanging out in California anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it could have been indigenous people. Um, it could have been Mexican people, um, some European immigrants as well. But that's who I'm meaning. Like, they're native right. Californians, not indigenous native okay. people. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. The first flakes of gold were found on January 24th, 1848 by James Wilson Marshall. The flakes were found in the American River at the base of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, which we will remember from our Donner Party episodes. <laughs> at the time, Marshall was working to build a water-powered sawmill owned by John Sutter. As Marshall later recalled of his historic discovery, it made my heart thump, for I was certain it was gold. <laughs> that's that's how what I feel when I discover gold. Ah, oh, my heart is thumping! <laughs> Days after Marshall's discovery at Sutter's Mill, the Mexican-American War was ended, leaving California in the hands of the United States. At the time, the population of the territory consisted of 6,500 Californios, who... Is that what they call themselves? Yeah, they're people of Spanish or Mexican descent, 700 foreigners, primarily Americans, and 150,000 indigenous people, which was barely half the number that had been there when the Spanish settlers arrived in 1769. In fact, Sutter had enslaved hundreds of indigenous people and used them as a free source of labor and makeshift militia to defend his territory and expand his empire. So he used indigenous people as slaves. That bastard. Yeah. Though Marshall and Sutter tried to keep the news of the discovery under wraps, word got out, and by mid-March... At least one newspaper was reporting that large quantities of gold were being turned up at Sutter's Mill. Though the initial reaction in San Francisco was disbelief, a storekeeper called Sam Brannan set off a frenzy when he paraded through town displaying a vial of gold obtained from Sutter's Creek. By mid-June, some three-quarters of the male population of San Francisco had left town for the gold mines, and the number of miners in the area reached 4,000 by August. As news spread of fortunes being made in California, some of the first migrants to arrive were those from the lands accessible by boat, such as Oregon. So they would like go down the the coast. Mm-hmm. I was really confused when I read that. I was like, how are they getting from Oregon to California by boat? Because like, wouldn't they just go over the land? And then I was like, oh, right. Yeah. They're on the coast. So right, they just right. go down the coast of America. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, geography. <laughs> they also came from the Sandwich Islands, which are now- Sandwich Islands? Yeah, now Hawaii. <laughs> That's what they used to be called, the Sandwich Island. My guess is they're named after Lord Sandwich. Lord Sandwich. He's a guy from England. Okay, well, I know I like earlier in this episode I alluded, like talked about how I wanted to be called uh, Cool Boy. I would prefer to be called Lord Sandwich. I can get yeah. behind that. Okay, <laughs> I'm Lord Sandwich, Lord of the Sandwich Isles. Yes. <laughs> um, they came from Mexico, Chile, Peru, and even China. When the news reached the East Coast, press reports were initially skeptical. 
Gold fever kicked off there in earnest, however, after December 1848, when President James K. Polk announced the positive results in his inaugural address. As Polk wrote, The accounts of abundance of gold are of such an extraordinary character as would scarcely command belief they were not corroborated by the authentic reports of officers in the public service. I don't fucking know what that means because I feel like people in the 1800s Mm -hmm. wrote in weird grammatical ways. And I'm like, what is he saying? But anyways, basically his address to the nation when he became president was like, president was like, yo, there's gold in them, their hills. (laughs) That's like, you're mixing like modern day talk, you know, like yo, yo, yo with, uh, with, talk from those times yo there'd be there be gold in them their hills <laughs> just a weird way of saying it thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> throughout 1849 people around the united states predominantly men borrowed money mortgaged their property or spent their life savings to make the arduous journey to california in pursuit of the wealth they had never dreamed of they left their families and hometowns In turn, women left behind by these men took on new responsibilities, such as running farms or businesses, and caring for their children alone. Thousands of would-be gold miners known as 49ers, uh, I couldn't figure out why they called them 49ers, my guess is because they came in 1849, but like- a football team? Yes, that's who the football team is named after. Oh, okay. These mining people. Aren't you impressed that I knew that? Yeah, actually- I I know nothing about football except how to throw one. Yeah, good job. (laughs) And the 49ers, you know that too. Yeah, well, yeah, now I know the 49ers. Yeah. So anyways, these people were called the 49ers. Couldn't figure out why, but whatever. Thousands of 49ers traveled overland across the mountains or by sea, sailing to Panama or even around Cape Horn, which is the southernmost point of South America. Cape Horn? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I don't have much to say on that. Okay, Cape Horn. (laughs) By the end of the year, the population of non-native Californians was now estimated at 100,000. To accommodate the needs of the 49ers, gold mining towns had sprung up all over the region, complete with shops, saloons, brothels, and other businesses seeking to make their own gold rush fortune. Hold on, hold on. So, <laughs> um, what's the line? The, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. It's now the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the 49ers. What? <laughs> <laughs> you said the needs of the 49ers, and oh. I was like... <laughs> I was like, that just, it just came to me, you know? Got it. (laughs) I was like, I can't follow your thought process here, but I got it now. That happens often. The overcrowded chaos of the mining camps and towns grew ever more lawless, including rampant banditry, gambling, prostitution, and violence. San Francisco, for its part, developed a bustling economy and became the central metropolis of the new frontier. The gold rush also sped up California's admission to the Union as the 31st state. After 1850, the surface gold in California largely disappeared, even as miners continued to arrive. Mining had always been difficult and dangerous labor, and striking it rich required good luck as much as skill and hard work. On top of that, the average daily take for an independent miner working with his pick and shovel had by then sharply decreased from what it had been in 1848. As gold became more and more difficult to reach, the growing industrialization of mining drove more and more miners from independent dudes... Why did I write dudes? (laughs) (laughs) Just hanging out, just being on their own. Hey, we're just bros. We're just dudes, you know, just hanging. Into wage labor. This new technique of hydraulic mining, which was developed in 1853, brought enormous profits but destroyed much of the region's landscape. Though gold mining continued throughout the 1850s, it had reached its peak by 1852 when some $81 million was pulled from the ground. That's wild. 
After that year, the total take declined gradually, leaving off to around $45 million per year in 1857. However, settlement in California continued, and by the end of the decade, the state's population was 380,000 people. The new mining methods and the population boom in the wake of the California gold rush permanently altered the landscape of California. Dams designed to supply water to mine sites in the summer altered the course of rivers away from farmland, while sediment from mines clogged others. The logging industry was born from the need to construct extensive canals and feed boilers at mines, further consuming natural resources. Canada, too, experienced a gold rush around the same time. Yep. (laughs) As there was gold in them there hills. (laughs) Why do I write weird things? I love the gold in them there hills. There was gold in the hills all the way up to North America's west coast from California to Alaska. In Canada, the gold rush occurred in the Fraser River in BC, in Caribou, BC, and Klondike in the Yukon. Although the worldwide production of gold had tripled between 1848 and 1898, it had relatively little impact on the Canadian economy. The gold rushes in Canada did, however, open up large territories to permanent resource exploitation and settlement by white people. They also resulted in the displacement and marginalization of many of the indigenous communities in the region. The popularity of the Klondike gold rush was also exploited extensively by Canadian immigration officials and Western commercial interests to advertise the potential of the West as a place to settle. For the indigenous population of BC and the Yukon, this intense scramble for gold provoked violence from the white population. This violence, coupled with the rapid development of resource-based industries and the settlement that followed in its wake, resulted in the swift imposition of systems of authority that were alien to indigenous communities in the region and had devastating impacts on the traditional ways of life. The gold rushes of North America provided a popular theme for writing in the 19th and early 20th centuries, particularly in the United States. The gold rush narrative was included in everything from dime novels to the classic works of fiction by Jack London, the poetry of Robert Service, and early motion pictures such as Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush from 1925. California's name became forever connected with the gold rush and fast success in a new world which became known as the California Dream. California was perceived as a place of new beginnings where great wealth could reward hard work and good luck. Overnight, California gained the international reputation as the Golden State. Generations of immigrants have been attracted by the continuation of this California dream. Farmers, oil drillers, movie makers, airplane builders, computer and microchip makers, and dot-com entrepreneurs have each had their boom times in the decades after the gold rush. Sorry, I feel like you could have written that away. Like, see, it felt like it was going in a Dr. Seuss way. And and <laughs> and microchip makers, <laughs> like, it felt, it felt like it was like, oh, is this a Dr. Seuss book? I'll have to rhyme it better next time. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting because, like, you do, right, like, Silicon Valley, that's yeah, in yeah. California, For and sure. it has its history in this time period. That's wild, yeah. Yeah. Included among the modern legacies of the California gold rush are the California state motto, which is Eureka. That's that's their motto? motto? Yep. <laughs> that's a... Okay, keep going. That's a shit motto. But okay. Meaning, I have found it. Mm. Uh, gold rush images on the California state seal and the nickname, the Golden State. And that's it. For our first shorty episode that listeners get to rate, we're asking you to head over to our Instagram page and vote in our stories for what rating you would give it. Remember to include how many what it's out of. And next week, we'll share these on our show, and Dakota will give his opinions and share what he rated the episode. You can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from Apple, Spotify, or Google, leave a review, or tell your friends about us. 
Also, go to Instagram and tell us your rating. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at, once again, The Reluctant Historian. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at thereluctanthistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And Lord Sandwich is telling you to have a fabulous day! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.